It was the dawn of the third age of podcasting, 20 years after Babylon 5's debut. This intro cast is a dream-given form. Its goal? To introduce the show to new fans by creating a place where new viewers and old alike can discuss the show peacefully. It's a port of call, home away from home for geeks, nerds, podcasters, and wanderers. British and Americans, wrapped up in minutes of audio downloads, all alone on the web. It can be a silly place, but it's our last best hope for intelligent analysis. This is the story of the first of the Babylon 5 intro cast. The year is 2014. The name of the show is Down Below. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to Down Below, a Babylon 5 intro cast. I'm Will. I'm Anne. I'm Heidi. I'm Elizabeth. We are pleased to be joined once again by Jason. Say hello to Jason. Hey, welcome back, hello, Jason. Jason. Hey. Hi, everybody. Repeat visitor to the show station. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, today we are here to recap episode 16 of season one, Eyes. But first, here's an ISN report. ISN special report. In the wake of a recent Earth Force initiative to ensure the best from all of its officers, a leaked report has alleged that a one Colonel Venzane has used this as an opportunity for vengeance against the commander of Babylon 5. The press office have denied all reports of this and ensures us nothing of the sort would ever occur. However, ISN News will keep you updated. In other news, chaos aboard Babylon 5 as a reckless individual rides an antique motorcycle around the station. Eyewitness reports allege that Security Chief Michael Garibaldi and an unknown Membari are responsible. Whatever the truth, this reporter can only speculate that this is some sort of new cultural exchange and that sooner or later there will be a screening of Easy Rider for all Membari aboard the station. This has been your ISN special report. Uh, <laughs> yes, Easy Rider, another I need to see sometime. Okay, Eyes originally aired on July 13, 1994. It was the last episode that they filmed in season one, and you kind of see... I was thinking while I was watching it that, you know, they kind of make references to all these other episodes, and it kind of feels like a finale, but I was looking at notes online, and they said that they kind of wanted this episode to be like a Cliff Notes guide to season one, where they kind of hit all the high points for people that joined the show after it started. I could see that. It was directed by Jim Johnston, who last directed by any means necessary, and it was written by Lawrence Dettilio, who last wrote TKO. Our favorite. Yes. <laughs> uh, let's get into the recap, then. So this episode begins with Lanier going to see Garibaldi. Shaw Mayan is coming back to the station, and they don't want to repeat what happened in the war prayer, so they want a full security detail. Garibaldi is working on an Earth antique, a motorcycle, but he can't figure out how to put it together. And since Lanier is interested in history, he offers to help put it together, and Garibaldi agrees. Then Garibaldi gets a call to come to the briefing room. 
a motorcycle that's suspiciously uh, very um, up-to-date for when the show aired. Yeah. Almost <laughs> as if it was a giant product placement. Oh, <laughs> yeah. uh, was it? No, he says it, they didn't get a dime for having the motorcycle in the show. Yeah, they yeah, wanted it, a, it, it. It looks like it looks like a classic product placement, but they just wanted they wanted the motorcycle, and I, I think I, I I don't even know how they didn't get money for that. They forgot <laughs> Still, to ask, it, probably. It, yeah, it does look in excellent condition though for something that's about two hundred years old. <laughs> this is before eBay started, right? Right. Because <laughs> otherwise, they would have been able to get the manual on eBay. Or it was. Two hundred years after eBay died. No, there'll be a there'll be some kind of intergalactic exchange auction site for sure. Yeah, well, in addition to building this motorbike, we discover Garibaldi likes to listen to classical Japanese music as well. Were you disappointed that we didn't get to see Shaw Mayan, even though they talk about her? I kind of was. Yeah, I was kind of wondering if that would be a like maybe the next episode or something, but. Yeah, that's what I was kind of thinking. Maybe she would pop up later. I liked it as a connection to pre- a previous story that wasn't related to the Eyes storyline. It was just it was just another feeler back earlier into the season. Um, yeah, that, that wasn't related to the to the station investigation. Just kind of gave you it started you off in that in that thought process of looking back over the season. Yeah, season one tends to do this a lot. Dropping constant reminders that are trying to say we're not forgetting everything that's gone before. We're something different. We remember our history. All of these Lanier and Garibaldi scenes really work well. I think the two of them play off one another quite well. I don't know what everyone else kind of thinks of that dynamic. Yeah, I enjoyed it over. Yeah, at the beginning of the episode, I wrote the note uh, that Lanier and Garibaldi will become buddies. Mm-hmm. So elsewhere, we see two guys looking at some info on Ivanova. Uh, whatever it is they're doing, they think most people won't be a problem, but she will. Uh, the guy in charge, Colonel Ari Bin Zane, he, well, he goes by Aaron Franks at the beginning of the episode. He's played by Gregory Martin, and his voice sounded familiar, but I looked at his IMDb and couldn't find anything that I recognized, so maybe just has one of those voices. Seemed like somebody that I may have seen like on an animated yeah, show or video Yeah, I was game. wondering, because his voice did sound familiar to me as well. I was just well, so confused by what his actual name was in this episode. I was <laughs> like... What? Now his name is something different. Who are you? <laughs> well, when he introduced his proper name, I couldn't figure out, is it Ben Zane or Ben Zane? Ben Zane. Or what? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And of course, you, of course, he's a bad guy. You can tell straight away because he's got a scar. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's right. <laughs> I was going to ask Heidi and Elizabeth if you were ever doubting that he was going to be a bad guy. No, uh, no, and, <laughs> I didn't think so. But well, the 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 very opening was so so overly dramatic. <laughs> yeah, and honestly, it was just <laughs> the first time I saw it and the second time I saw it. Like the way um, Gray asked him a question about um, when are they going to act, and then he says, "You know, as always, Mister Gray, when the time is right." It, it just reminded me of Pinky and the Brain. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> Same thing we do every night, Pinky. Yeah, he kind of sounds like uh, Jane on the gray, but Jane on the gray. Yeah. <laughs> it was cartoonishly um, sinister. Yeah, he was uh, overly dramatic the entire episode. <laughs> it was 
like maybe the only thing I didn't like about this episode. Well, his the other guy, Harriman Gray, is played by the one and only Jeffrey Combs, who, if you watch enough sci-fi, you'll probably see him sooner or later. I know he was in the reanimator, kind of a cult horror movie. Um, but I know him mostly from his roles on different Star Trek shows. Uh, he was in an episode of Castle Death Going Crazy. It's one note that I saw is that Mr. Gray was a P-10 and Psychops are P-12s, so he wasn't a Psychop. Oh, where does it say that? I didn't even notice. Oh, I, I didn't say it on the show. I think this is something that JMS. Oh, okay. Said. And they do say that whatever they're going to do, they're going to do it when the time is right. And we see opening credits. Mm-hmm. I guess the time was right when they were found out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> time is right now. Um, in the briefing room, the officers are talking about terrorist attacks on Mars. I mentioned a group called Free Mars, and they do have terrorist groups that are even more radical than Free Mars. Earth Force is worried that B-5 could be a source of arms. It's okay for you to sell arms on B-5 as long as the transfers take place off-station. So, I always thought, I mean, I, I don't remember what we have found out about Mars. I mean, I know it was Mars Colony. Yeah. But for I always kind of thought it was like, I mean, people just went to colonize it, right? And now they want to be free from... Earth government, basically, is what I'm guessing that's happening. Yes, it sounds like. Okay. Well, sort of like the Americans. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure whether there's any other meaning for free Mars than that, really. Unless they want Mars to be turned into some sort of planetary spaceship and leave the solar system. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it seemed like it would take quite a bit of resources to even get there. (laughs) Uh, So... I mean, I guess my my impression was that Earth, you know, set up a a base there or, you know, a way to live there. And then people went out there to live, and I guess it's grown. Um, But now they don't want Earth involvement. So anyways, I don't know how they're going to live without... (laughs) It's not like they can grow... I mean, they're, they're pretty much stuck to the whatever buildings and resources they've built there. It's not like Mars is arable or habitable without... A constant influx of of supplies. Yeah, they could still trade to get everything they need. But what are they going to (laughs) trade? Dirt. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) More dust. Yeah. Anyways, so I'm sure that'll come up later. I mean, in in the show. Yeah. So Earth Central has implemented an embargo on unauthorized arms shipments to Mars, and they're going to check shipments and be on the lookout for smugglers from Mars Colony. Elsewhere, we see Aaron Franks questioning Lou Welch, who we haven't seen since Survivors, I don't think. Uh, Welch is irritated, and when Aaron Franks leaves, Lou Welch calls Garibaldi to tell him what just happened. Yeah, um, he doesn't just leave. He he seems to be talking to everyone in the crew to try and get picture, because later on he talks to a member of, um, you know, in the casino, a, a bartender in the casino, and mm-hmm. in the background, he's talking to another member of um, staff. So he's, he's clearly trying to sniff out any information he can before he goes in for the kill. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, as soon as we were... Because we, we haven't heard... Or maybe we have, and I just didn't pick it up. The Officer Welch's name before. or This is the first time I remember it. Yes. And I, every time I see a new officer, I always try to think, oh, is this the guy that was, uh, you know, the, the mole? But... I don't know. He seemed pretty loyal. 
Yeah, we sorry, we heard his name in Survivors. Oh, okay. So next we see Lanier studying, and he gets a lot of information about motorcycles. The last gasoline-powered motorcycle was built in 2035. I have here, Lanier is going to become a biker. Yeah. <laughs> going to start his dream. own gang, yeah. <laughs> yeah, do, I do like the expression on his face when he's watching the video. It's kind of... <laughs> he's really yeah. into it. So Garibaldi, this is, I think this is where he was talking to the bartender. Right? He finds out that Zane has been asking about Sinclair, and he goes to tell Sinclair about it. Found out that Zane and Mr. Gray represent Quartermaster Corporation, an independent military supplier. Sinclair thinks they may just be trying to get a contract with B5 and tells Garibaldi to walk softly because they don't need a corporate lawsuit. Mm-hmm. Uh, still got to worry about corporations and lawsuits and whatnot and... The future, 2258. Of course, lawyers aren't going anywhere. <laughs> and it seems like the corporations have only gotten bigger. Yeah, no kidding. Now they control half the universe rather than, you know, yeah. half the country. Exactly. Garibaldi goes to see Zane in his quarters, but he finds Harriman Gray there. Gray says that they are hoping to get a military contract from B5, but Garibaldi doesn't believe them. Zane arrives and... The conversation is kind of annoying Garibaldi, and that's when Zane reveals his true name. So basically the size, they wear gloves so that they don't seem as threatening, because you can't do a scan on somebody without bare skin contact? Is that what it is? I just thought I'd been watching too much Frozen, and I was like, oh, Hmm. he has freezing powers, like Elsa. (laughs) has to wear the gloves, keeps him under control. I was wondering whether you had picked on the fact he was putting gloves on as a sign he uh, was a telepath before um, you actually found out or whether it's something you went back and looked at again uh, what do you mean sorry because because in the beginning you don't know he's a telepath and he's putting on these gloves before Garibaldi comes in the room did you pick up on that clue that he's putting gloves on therefore you might be a telepath or did you uh, not realise that until later oh I don't actually don't remember I mean I know I picked up on the gloves the first time I watched it but I don't remember if I suspected he was a telepath or not actually yeah I don't either like I know that I had the whole thing in my mind because we had talked about this, this episode would be about Talia so like I was kind of thinking you know, Psychor, something's uh-huh. going on to begin with. But really at that point, I was just thinking, okay, like what power is he trying to hide because he's, you know, wearing these gloves? Again, too much okay. problem. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, and then the other interesting bit about this scene is uh, Zane's already trying to get an excuse to prosecute um, the command crew because he's deliberately baiting Garibaldi here with the offer of a drink. When he probably already knows this guy's an alcoholic and he's off the off alcohol at the moment. They, they, uh, I think it's even mentioned in the pilot about uh, why that tele- telepathy works better with direct contact, which yeah. is probably why they wear gloves so that when they shake hands, they don't pick up everyone's deepest thoughts. Mm-hmm. So it's a way to help protect themselves from picking up stray thoughts that they don't want. Oh, it's more to help themselves than it is to. It's probably it's, it's for people at it's ease. Probably something. It may be even something they're required to do, but it definitely seems to block out some telepathic contact. Mm-hmm. 
because uh, she takes her gloves off and says she has to get into the suit to really make a connection. Right. Yeah, she does actually say that. Yeah. Yeah, so they're with Earth Force Internal Affairs, also known as Eyes, which is where the name episode comes from. Would you be able to guess that from the episode title? No. <laughs> what do you mean? You know, if you had no idea what Eyes meant, you would be able to guess, oh, it's Internal Affairs. Oh, no, well, we clearly didn't. No. Yeah. Heidi, Heidi was closer. She got the Psy part of it. But that was, but that's actually not Psy related, is it? It's, um, it's like the actual military internal affairs. Yeah. Not. I seem to be for, slang for internal affairs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I like yeah. my, my reason for it better. Yeah. No. <laughs> makes sense. Yeah. On our predictions page, I almost gave this one to you because you, you predicted that we would see a, a nice psychop. And then everyone reminded me that he's not a psychop. He doesn't work for the psychops. Mm-hmm. He works for the he works for the military. So it's about halfway there. But yeah, he seems to be close. a pretty nice guy. Although he was assigned by Bester, so it's about half a point there. Bester's a psychop. He assigned Gray. So you know you it's all you've almost got a psychop in this mm-hmm. and heavily mentioned. So they're there to investigate the command staff of B five. In the briefing room, we find out that. The stuff happening on Mars has resulted in increased scrutiny of off-world installations, and they're just trying to find out who's loyal to Earth Force. Sinclair doesn't like their tactics, but they have new regulations, and that gives them the authority to do that and to use telepaths in their investigations. Ivanova objects to this, um, and Zane assigns Garibaldi to his staff for the rest of the investigation, and he gives Sinclair permission to carry on. And when they leave, Susan declares that she will not submit to a telepathic scam, but Sinclair assures her that he won't let it happen. I think Ivanova in this um, is really consistent with what we've seen of her character already. It's it's great character progression throughout this story for Ivanova. You, she's confronted with another uh, member of Psycor, and we, we get in deeper as to why she doesn't like um, being scammed, why um, she's got a problem with Psycho. I mean, we've been told before, but now I kind of feel we're being shown and we can see the emotional impact of that, not just the facts of the situation. Right. So they're walking through the corridors. Garibaldi lets Zan know that he doesn't, Zane, like, no, he doesn't like what's going on. Zane requests files on B5 personnel, and Scarabaldi leaves. Lanier stops him to tell him that he could help put together the bike easily. And since Garibaldi's busy, he reluctantly allows Lanier to begin work without him. <laughs> just, yeah, I've just got. Sorry, Elizabeth, go ahead. I, I, I was just going to say, he's just like an excited little puppy in this scene. Please, mm-hmm. please let me work on it, please. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty easy to guess that he was going to finish it, you know. I don't know. I just kind of sort of saw that happening. So Garibaldi arrives at his station and starts to transfer the files. Peekaboo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and while that's going on, he starts investigating Zane and Mr. Gray. He used the word interweb in here, and it kind of makes me wonder if this is one of the first uses of the word interweb, because now we kind of use it as a joke. Yeah, I love that word. Yeah, for the internet. Yeah, maybe in 200 years' time, it's gone from a joke to just common parlance. 
So Mr. Gray goes to visit Susan in the observation dome to try to smooth things over. We find out a little more about his background, about how he wanted to be a pilot, but his talent manifested itself, but he was still able to serve through the Psychor. He promises Ivanova that he'll respect her privacy, and she tells him what she's going to do if he enters her head and excuses herself. This, like, I, I know that he actually is kind of sincere now, but the first time watching, it just totally came off as, you know, like, he's just trying to get her guard down, and he's being creepy, and he's evil, and... It did, but then also, like, I like when they bring up, because it's easy to demonize the idea of Psy, the psychor, and, mm-hmm. you know, no, nobody, the idea that somebody could peek into their thoughts, and, but I like seeing that, you know, it's not, you know, a walk in the park for them either. I mean, they have to, I mean, this is a huge part of their lives then, and then they're going to have to deal with, you know, the way people treat them, and then, you know, finding a place for themselves, and I wouldn't want to be telepathic you know what i mean yeah yeah well it's just like ivanova's mother you know like what she Mm -hmm. went through exactly yeah it's even if you are working for the right people it still may not be um a walk in the park and he probably Uh, has to constantly feel people not liking him and you know yeah and got to work with people like zane yeah Yeah. Yeah. oh (laughs) what i was going to mention about this scene is i love how it's staged and how the camera kind of follows from in front uh, of Vanova and Gray's just half a step behind her. He's always on her tail, dogging her. And it, you know, you really feel the pressure of Vanova is under. Yeah. I just like how it was directed and staged. It, it, it intensifies the feeling of the scene. Good point. So next, Zane is talking to Garibaldi about some of Sinclair's decisions. But Garibaldi insists that he should ask Sinclair, and Zane dismisses Garibaldi to tell Sinclair about their interview that's going to happen the next day. So next, Garibaldi tells Sinclair, Sinclair's just ready to get it over with. Garibaldi's worried because they've rewritten the books to make B5 work and all the things that are happening on Earth and Mars. He warns Sinclair to walk soft, and he tells him that he's working on investigating Zane. Um, Garibaldi makes an example that people like Zane thrive in these sorts of pressured environments where, you know, everything's being scrutinised and blame's being placed all over the place, and you can kind of um, relate that to things like um, the McCarthy era, um, hearings or even now under, you know, the climate of fear of terrorism and how, you know, people are under extra secure, you know, extra scrutiny because of that. And, um, you know, you've got to wonder, are there people like Zane around at the moment just climbing the ladder and taking full advantage of this fear that's around just to get ahead? Yeah, because it's not like he—it's not like he is the way he is just because he feels resentment to Sinclair. Um, I believe that Gray also mentions that he barely seems to have any kind of humanity. So he's not only just has a personal vendetta against Sinclair, but he also appears to be, you know, not the most sympathetic of people <laughs> in general. So. Yeah, you have to wonder what made him that way aside from the war, because the war's only given him an excuse for his hatred, it seems. It's as if this guy's just out to prove himself by any means, and 
he thinks he he's deserving of greatness and he's not getting it so he's bitter about that yeah and is this the scene where he, the Garibaldi lists all the different um, reasons why Sinclair might be on the hot seat like all the other so, episodes yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. it's a recap season one yeah <laughs> that was, I like that in case you forgot our word here <laughs> yeah I do, I, yeah uh, briefly in the scene before as well, um, there's a throwaway line of how Garibaldi sees God, which I think is quite funny. Oh, yeah. In terms of his own personal view. <laughs> I'm not going to take the quote because it might be someone's quote. <laughs> so next in Garibaldi's quarters, Lanier is chanting over the bike when Garibaldi enters. Now, the chant that Lanier is making, Zaba Gabi, is the name of an album that Bill Mooney did back in 1987. <laughs> really? And, yeah, when, when JMS found out about this, he said they had a lengthy discussion. I guess he wasn't happy about that. <laughs> so he's ba- he was basically chanting, buy my album, buy my album. <laughs> Product placement. placement. <laughs> So Garibaldi sends Lanier away and he can come back and work some more later. I think, um, sorry, I'm talking a lot this week. I'm sorry if other people have points, but um, I I don't know how clear it is, but I get the impression that Lanier actually learnt Japanese in order to decipher the manual. It's not just he learnt about motorbikes, but he also learned Japanese. Yeah, I can kind of see that, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I and it shows his dedication. Sorry, right. Elizabeth. Or his intellect or something. Yeah. I, I, ha- I do have a problem when characters are rude to other characters that are being nice to them. I don't like that. Yes. Um, I thought Garibaldi was very rude. I mean, I know he's under a lot of pressure, but, you know, you don't have to be so dismissive. And anyways, it just happens a lot on different shows. And I, I, always, I always get a bad impression yeah. of characters just when they do that. Nice. Yeah. And it's never really shown as it like a bad thing. It's just shown as here. It's kind of shown as humorous because of what he says. And but I don't know. Anyways. Yeah. So next, Susan is having a dream, and her dream you see, you hear people laughing, and <laughs> someone's calling your name. It's her mom. Somebody ordered the fog machines. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't this happen yeah. in Talia's little vision as well? Her memory of the killer that she went into wasn't there a bunch of fog machines in that one? I don't remember, probably, but I know it was dark. Well, memories are foggy. <laughs> yeah. Very steamy. Inside her mom are these two masked men, and her mother's going to get the treatment. I know you see Susan herself up there at some point, and I don't remember what else happened. <laughs> Gray's there at one point saying the colonel demands it or something like that. Yeah. And then Gray turns into smoke as well. So mm-hmm. the <laughs> smoke machine's really effective if he can do that. <laughs> so her mother is played by Marie Chambers, Sophie Ivanova. She was an episode of X Files, and she was in three episodes of Angel, playing Mother. Oh, that sounds familiar. I've never seen Angel playing just a character mother? called Mother. Yeah, she's listed as Mother in three episodes. She's not. Oh, was uh, she the mom of that girl that got the bite in the back of her head that became its eye? Maybe. Maybe. She was in like three episodes. Yeah, that could be. So Susan awakes from her dream and she goes to see Sinclair who resigns and she 
wants to resign from Earth Force, and but Sinclair refuses to accept her resignation. Sinclair's found a loophole. It's good at finding loopholes. Yes, he is. <laughs> it's going to allow her to avoid the scan. And she explains that her mother made contact with her mind a few times, and she doesn't want anyone to intrude on that memory, especially the Psychor. Mm-hmm. I was just thinking her explanation wasn't nearly as bad as, do you know what it's like when telepaths make love? Oh, my God. Yeah, but I think it's because um, there's far more emotion here. And, I mean, I'm not saying the acting before was bad with the other line. It's just the other line, I think, was so bad and there wasn't that back history between the two characters that you could relate to. Whereas, I think, because the back history of Ivanova has been built up before this point, you can relate to her a lot easier in this scene and... Yeah, you feel for her when she's saying this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when she wakes up, when she wakes up from the dream, I really feel her terror. I thought that was yeah. well acted. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but what do what do we think it means though? With with her, she just is basically saying that she would feel violated if, or she's basically thinking that she would feel violated as as her mom did, um, because she becomes her mother in her dream. Or do we think there's something else there? She definitely doesn't want anyone in her mind because that will violate her mother's memory as far as she's concerned. You know, her mother has been in her mind so many times and it it's such an intimate thing for her. You know, it, it's, you know, right, whereas for other people, you know, people going into their mind, you know, they might not like it, but it's not something they grew up with at, on an intimate level, having someone come, you know, go into your mind mind and you know be very intimate with you and you know all the trauma she's gone through with her mother it, and, and now with her father as well it's it's kind of there's there's all of that going on for her and it, it's you know I think there's so much trauma there that it, it's you know it's far more of a personal intrusion than it would be for anyone else yeah. Did we? I can't remember. I'm sorry. I, I haven't gone back and watched any and, you know, it's been a while now. Did we find out her mother, as had she been, uh, had this ability for her whole life? And then they she just got the treatments at a certain point? Yes. She, I think the, they, she knew she was a telepath before they caught up with her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it was just the last 10, later. I think it was the last 10 years of her life, but we don't really, find, I don't think we find out precisely when she died, how long, um, how long she was around her family with the ability before she got the treatments? Well, obviously, there must have been a, some period of time where she was around her family before she started getting the treatments, mm-hmm. where she was able to uh, telepathically just send out her love. Yeah. Do we know if um, if people can manifest the ability later in life, uh, or you know? I, I, I'm truly asking because I can't remember if we found out um, or if they can, if they know from early in life. Like, for example, could Ivanova manifest the ability, you know, at her age or would she already have known it? Is that something we found out already? I don't think we found out how it manifests or how it comes about. Okay. I'm just wondering if, if this might be foreshadowing her, you know, maybe manifesting an ability. Um, anyways. That would be interesting. 
That would be really interesting. That's kind of why I'm, I'm wondering, because that would be really cool. <laughs> Especially with her, you know, how she feels about it and everything. But... Right, exactly. Well, Jason, put it in the prediction sheet. <laughs> so Zane is getting ready for his interview, and he tells Mr. Gray that Mr. Bester will be grateful for anything turns up, and Mr. Gray seems surprised to hear her name, Bester. Sinclair arrives and he'll be ready to begin. He says he'll be be ready once Mr. Gray leaves and he tells him about his loophole. And this upsets Mr. Zane, but he dismisses Mr. Gray. Garibaldi will be the witness and they begin the interview. I don't know why you need a witness when there's four cameras on him. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I kind of liked how the cameras were showing everything from different angles. Mm -hmm. Kind of made me think of 24. Or just it was just like another um, visual representation of an invasion of somebody's mind because it yeah. was four different angles right up close to his face, you know. Yeah, well, technically five angles because you've got the actual camera camera we're seeing through, plus the other four right. behind him. Five cameras. Um. <laughs> yeah. So- Mr. So Mr. Gray runs into Susan, who's eating. She's not that. Uh, Mr. Gray's not that fond of Zane, and he picks. Is, is it just me, or is he trying to flirt with her at this point? <laughs> <laughs> wow, he's a glug for punishment. If he is. yeah. <laughs> he Sorry. picks up. I'll go. It's fine. He picks up Talia in Susan's mind when he mentions Psychor. And he um, starts to say something, and Susan gets called away. It seemed like at the beginning, um, or well, going back at least, at the at the very beginning when we first see Gray and Zane, we don't really know what they're talking about or why they're specifically talking about Avadova. But the second time I watched it, I thought, oh, well, clearly they know about her mom and what happened to her mom and that she's very anti psychor And that's why they want to, you know... Gray wanted to leave her out of it. But then when he's talking to her later, it seems like he's picking up on it for the first time about her mom. So I, I don't know. It was kind of... Yeah, I think maybe there's a difference, though, between what's written in a file, clinically what's happened, and then picking up on personal emotions and how strong they are. It, you know, it might just be in a file of what happened to a mother but not quite fully how it's affected Ivanova. Yeah, and I have to say, though, for for being a person that's had this ability, you would think for years, he's pretty bad at hiding where he's picking things up from. I mean, at least (laughs) for for 10, you didn't read her mind, you know, clearly. And and she is, and her especially, I mean, she, that's a clear violation for her. I mean, you would think that people would learn to pretend they hadn't read anything from people. Mm. But he's just saying whatever comes to her mind, and he's saying whatever he picks up. Dangerous, dangerous line. However, as um, they say later in the episode, strong emotions are easier to read, and Susan Vanderbilt's feelings about her mother must be very strong. Yes. Talia says in the first first episode that, that sometimes there's just things that come through that you can't help, but they just hit you and you react immediately because they're so strong. Yeah. Like Lando going to kill that guy or who was it? Was it Jakar? Jakar? Yeah. <laughs> that, guy. that guy. I knew he was going to kill guy. They haven't been in the episodes for so long. He hasn't. But Lando actually had to go about his uh, his room and get like four different pieces and put it all together into a gun. Could have oh, cooled down. Those were the days. <laughs> 
They're back in the interview. Zane is questioning Sinclair, and Sinclair gets a call from Ivanova about a development in the arm situation. Zane gets upset when Sinclair tries to leave, and he still says Sinclair was promoted through the ranks without any leadership ability, so he relieves Sinclair and takes over command of B5. And he's going to try to prove that Sinclair is working against Earth Force with the help of Mr. Gray. Because in this situation, the situation regulations allow for it. And Sinclair is going to be confined to quarters. If this had been like a season finale, then I maybe would have been worried that Sinclair <laughs> wouldn't get uh, command back. But since we're still in the middle of the season, I was like, okay, well, this is going to be resolved by the end of this episode. <laughs> yeah, <clears throat> that's true. Is this where they also bring up... They brought up Bragesh 3 again here? Or was that... Yeah. Yeah, it was like the fourth or fifth time it's been brought up. And also, Sinclair had major crazy eyes in this scene. Especially (laughs) when they had the up up camera angle on him. He's good at that. Uh, So it was a crazy eye off. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, um... So Sinclair's gonna go to headquarters with this and he wants Garibaldi to see if his sources have found out anything but first someone needs to get to Ivanova in the dome (laughs) so then in the dome you see Zane already ordering people around Garibaldi arrives and Zane very happily informs Ivanova that she's going to be interviewed in the presence of Mr. Gray like he was just rubbing it in and Sinclair I'm sorry Susan says that she won't submit and she leaves her post and she takes Garibaldi up on that previous offer to buy a drink. and But he says he'll meet her in the casino in a few minutes. He has to go check on something. So I didn't forget about that drink. Yeah, they're really bringing up a lot of stuff. <laughs> so Sinclair is talking to someone back home on Earth who could stop it, but he won't because of political reasons. And he promises to help when the time is right. There's that phrase again. <laughs> And then he also says the Immigration Act is coming up for a vote soon. Yeah. That's all. <laughs> so in, in the casino, Susan is drinking and some jerk <laughs> comes up and calls her. Oh, my her God. He's touching, her, he's touching her hair. He deserved whatever he got. <laughs> yeah, he did. Yeah. He's not very intelligent. <laughs> no. You, know, you do not hit on a pissed off and drunk Ivanova. Well, she's yeah. gone around the station by now. You don't hit on this woman. Also, PSA, don't grab women's hair like that. Okay. Yeah. No. So next we see Garibaldi. He's picked up something on the interweb and <laughs> found out that Zane was up for Commander B5 and also Zane's friends with Bester. So they think Zester's using Zane to get revenge. Oh my god, did you just say Zester? Because that would be an awesome fairy name. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the evil duo. Somebody draw that picture. <laughs> um, so Garibaldi gets a call about something going on in the casino and realizes it must be Vonova. So down in the casino, we see Ivanova. Cut to a terrible, butt. terrible first two punches. That didn't even come close to hitting them. <laughs> the Garibaldi calms her down and takes her away. <laughs> so, and then Sinclair goes to see Mr. Gray, and um, he tells him that Mr. Bester assigned. Oh, he tells Mr. Gray that Mr. Bester assigned him to that job, and that Bester and Zane are good friends. That's when Zane arrives to start the interview, and 
Garibaldi Bonaversing in. So Sinclair wonders if the Colonel will also be scared since now he's commander of B5. And Sinclair's questions that he's asking and his statements are infuriating Zane. Yeah. And that's when Zane gets mad. There's a nice callback in the previous scene with when uh, Sinclair tells Gray that Talia Winters told him that she likes to get the feel of a room. Uh, she did. She did that in a in a in the episode. I think when the when the attaches or the uh, the ambassadors were not negotiating, and they ended up uh, sending both of their uh, helper people to negotiate. Oh. Uh, the Game Boy episode. Yes, yeah, that, that one. Hard. And that they have they have a whole nice little conversation where she's she talks about that. Oh, Coda. Mister Gray, I remember this conversation with our resident telepath from about ten months ago now. <laughs> yeah, he's got good memory if he remembers this offhand conversation from 10 months before. <laughs> so, this is when Zane starts to go overboard, in my opinion. Starts? <laughs> he, says <that> he, <laughs> <laughs> he says that he deserves command of B5 instead of Sinclair. He thinks Sinclair is doing the bidding of the Minbari. At this point, Mr. Gray can feel the hatred coming off Zane. And Zane smacks Gray with a really awkward look. <laughs> yes, it was. But not as yeah. awkward as the punch that Claire throws later. Yeah. He, he does kind of go, he goes from cartoon villain to pantomime villain in this. <laughs> yes. He also mentions New Jerusalem, which is now the third time they mentioned New Something City, which makes me think it must have happened during my World War Three. Anyways. I have a note somewhere saying New Jerusalem is a planet. Oh, it's a planet? Yeah. Or they have have colonies on other planets that have their own names. Not necessarily the name of the planet or the name of the moon or whatever. Oh, okay. That makes more sense. Like you might go go to, uh, I'm trying to think of like terrestrial moons we have and you could have a new new Jerusalem that's situated on, on one of our moons in the solar system. It's not, necessarily, it's, it, yeah, it's not they, necessarily a place on Earth. They do keep on Got mentioning okay. the transfer point of Io, don't they? So maybe it's a colony on Io. Yeah. Oh, yeah, this is where Mr. Gray makes Zane feel pain and Sinclair knocks him out. Pain. <laughs> really weird punch. <laughs> Isn't that from something else? Doesn't something else use that? Like um, saying the word pain and sending pain tele- telepathically? Uh... I don't know. Okay. Does that ring any bell? Like on Star Wars? Sure it has happened. Yeah, that's, that's the only thing I could think, but that was like the lightning bolts, right? Coming yeah. Mm-hmm. Like um, when the Emperor is like, paid, and then he shoots from his fingers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so Garibaldi arrives back in his quarters, and Lanier has finished building the bike. Garibaldi's a little mad because he didn't want Lanier to actually finish it because says Lanier took away a purpose in his life. Uh, I think but, he's more sad. Yeah, sad Garibaldi yeah. is sad. But he tells Lanier not to worry because he did a good job. And Lanier shows him an improvement that he made. He installed a clean power source. And next you see... So is that Claire. what the war was about? Energy? <laughs> <laughs> Energy sources? So next, Susan and Sinclair are walking through the corridor talking about what happened, and you see Garibaldi and Lanier speed past on the bike, and it's the end of the episode. <laughs> it's fun. A cheesy ending there to end the, the episode on. I mean, it's 
doesn't quite fit with everything else that's happened in the episode, but... Is it the worst CGI shot of the series? What do the newbies think? No. No. The no. opening of whatever that one was. That was one the that worst. we did commentary for was horrendous. Yeah, it was terrible. Uh, that sign's important. Yep, so. that, that one. <laughs> I saw somewhere that this episode took place in September 2258, but I don't remember anything in the episode that verified that. And Sonic's importance began on August 3rd, so in a few weeks. Nine months rather than ten months later. Uh, yeah. I think it typically so, goes, they, they kind of time it out that it happens across a year and they shoot kind of across a year. So it kind of, it kind of lines up with their real life shooting schedule. Of course, they're not necessarily in order from that, but <laughs> it is general, it's just generally a year, uh, in a season. Okay. At least this, at least this season. So apparently this episode was very similar to an episode of The Next Generation. I think they even had a telepath in that episode um, aiding in the investigation. But JMS says that the, all, the writer of this episode never saw that episode. And they make a point not to watch Star Trek just so there won't be, you know, com- um, you can't say somebody stole the idea. There won't be comparisons. Yeah, I was... I th- well, you'll get, you'll get fans saying that anyway, so... Well, just so they can say that they're not copying, I guess. Well, actually, in the in the series Bible that JMS gave to Paramount in 1989, the basic concept for this episode, which was basically let's look back at all the bad decisions the commander made across the across the first season, and have them come back to bite him, and have a and have a telepath be involved in the process, was in that Bible. So he called them bad decisions, or did he mean just decisions that well, all the Earth questionable Force might not like? Right, right. Questionable, questionable, questionable decisions. decisions. Mm-hmm. Things, things that they even mentioned in the, each individual episode. Someone's gonna, someone's not gonna like this. I think is mm-hmm. what they mentioned those. And so that was that sort of basic outline was in the original series Bible. None, none of the details or anything like that. But and there's there's no real evidence that Paramount stole from that. But it is a pretty similar. I mean, but this is a pretty common story too. Yeah. In, in in anything where you've got a government oversight over over a remote outpost, this is sort of like a the common story is let's let's nitpick everything you did wrong. Right. But. Okay. Um. So how about we go to quotes of the week? Should I go first? Sure. Yes, please. This is Mr. Garibaldi. If I knew who God was, I'd thank her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Which is that maybe right. the second time he's called God a woman? Is it? I think. Oh, I thought it was the first. Okay. Uh, uh, yeah. It, nevertheless, it's a nice little twist, isn't it? Yeah. I have one from Lanier. Mr. Garibaldi, I was just about to embark on the mysteries of the fuel injection system. Would you care to join me? <laughs> yeah, after that line, I always think of, uh, what's it, the Grease song? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I expect oh. Lydia to burst into song Grease Lightning. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been amazing. <laughs> it would have. Um, I have a Garibaldi quote. Protests are as much use with the Vorlons as fairy wings on a cement truck. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't mind, I'll go for a Nirvana one. As for fear, if you enter my mind for any reason... I will twist your head off and use it as a chamber pot. Yep. Um, okay. I guess I'll go for Garibaldi. 
You're starting to irritate me, Mr. Frank, and I don't like being irritated. It gives me gas. <laughs> oh, I do have the next line. I get well, after what Lanier said, Garibaldi said, do me a favor, embark on a journey to your quarter so I can get some sleep. Yeah, and he also says at some point, if I kill him, it would start war. <laughs> he just yeah. as a sign out, he's just... <laughs> Any others? Uh, I just have a Sinclair one <clears throat> where he says, enough people have played with my brain already this year. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So how about our characters of the week? I'll start with human of the week. Mm, that's a tough one. That is I'd a really, really tough one. Say, yeah. I mean, because Garibaldi, Ivana, and Sinclair all have some really cool stuff here. Or we could go for Zane and his you know, machinations because he was so over the top. So you've actually got four really good candidates there. I go with Ivanova just because hers is the most emotional. Yeah, that was who I chose, Ivanova. Yeah, I would go with either her or Sinclair, probably. Yeah, and I can agree with Ivanova. I actually went with Garibaldi, but I was really torn. Like, everybody was really good, so... Yeah, I was going to go for Ivanova, but uh, I didn't want to say anything too early to sway anyone's votes. But yeah, she's just, she's got a great story in this one. Uh, Ivanova, it is. How about Alien of the Week? <laughs> Lanier's the only one, right? Lanier. Right. Yeah, <laughs> Oh, that was easy. So let's do episode ratings. Want to start out, Jason? Yes, uh, I liked this episode. I, other than the overacting and the sort of lazy writing with with Ben Zane or with Zane, he, he comes out over the top right from the start and just goes up from there. It's kind of impressive. And but I like the Susan storyline. The motorcycle one is kind of forgettable, but still a nice character moment. So I give it eight out of ten Zimas. <laughs> cool. How about you, Heidi? I enjoyed this one. Um, not as much as the last one, which I, you know, really enjoyed, but, um, this one was good. And, uh, I really like all the callbacks. That was, that was a lot of good stuff. You know, I, I enjoy shows that do that. And I know that this show was kind of ahead of its time in doing that. So I appreciate it. And I'm going to give it 7.5 out of 10 drunk Russians. (laughs) (laughs) Cool. It was a bit. Yeah, well, I mean, I it was okay for me. Um, I thought that they made him such a clear villain that it wasn't. Let's say it wasn't as interesting as it could have been because you know Sinclair is probably going to have to answer for his you know controversial decisions that he's made, but this definitely wasn't the way that he was going to answer for it, and they made him such a clear villain that there was no nuance. Um, there was nothing to think about. It was Sinclair good. Zane bad um, and his performance didn't help and, but otherwise I mean I did like all the callbacks and I, en- I enjoy you know bringing up things that people have done that shed it in a new light so hopefully this will continue so I would give it um, 7 impractical chamber pots out of 10 <laughs> nice what do you say Ian yeah um, first of all the great things about this episode really are um, Ivanova's story in this episode, her emotional mini arc in it, and 
um, just how well that plays out. The references to past episodes reminding uh, your viewers that this world remembers what's gone before and everything carries weight. All decisions you're making will affect your future scenarios. Um, Grey was a nice little interesting side character, but the downside to this is Zane. He's just he's a little bit over the top. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> but he, it's just plus he's got that stupid scar. <laughs> uh, okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry if the actor actually has a scar, um, but it just looks like a really bad. Um, oh my god, that would be so makeup. horrible. He it does. just looks like he really... does. He does. Oh what? no! Oh no! Sorry, <laughs> it just looks like a bad bit of makeup. Maybe the makeup on it just enhanced it rather than tried to hide it. Maybe um, someone uh, put a bit of extra shadow stuff in there. I don't know exactly how you you know do makeup to enhance the scar, but it looked like that, and he was over the top and a bit silly. So that might. Brings it down. Uh, anyway, I'm rambling. So, my score is 7 out of 10 peekaboo passwords. Okay, the guy that played Zane is the oldest son of Beatles producer George Martin. Ah. <laughs> Not to be confused with the other George Martin. <laughs> RR. <laughs> uh. <laughs> Um, well, yeah, I enjoyed the episode. I liked all the continuity. I liked the linear Garibaldi storyline. I liked all the, you know, like the callbacks. Um, and it had a lot of funny lines, throwaway lines. Um, but, you know, like everyone's saying Zane was just way too overboard for me. So it loses points for that. So I give it seven and a half out of ten pain. <laughs> and I might be wrong about the scar thing. I can't find any source for it, so maybe I'm thinking of something else. So that gives our total score a 7.4. So let's head on over into Feedback Land. Feedback Land. <laughs> we got some comments from our website. Our first cool. one was was from Sean. Who wants to read Sean's comment? I can read it. <clears throat> okay. Greetings. I am listening to the podcast and I am confused by some comments from the ambassadors. Uh oh. <laughs> okay. I admire the command staff not giving spoilers as I don't think I could do as well as a job. I will try to stay spoiler free in these comments. What return tickets are they talking about? Who issues these tickets? There are dozens of alien ships from hundreds of worlds coming and going. Commerce, trade, relay, point, etc. These ships are coming and going from all over the universe. No one buys tickets to come to B5. Are they suggesting that B5 issued tickets? Okay, I'm going to stop you right here. <laughs> yes, I am. First of all, they haven't gone into any of this stuff. So, you know. We have to speculate. Yes, exactly. I mean, so, does someone yes. just jump on a spacecraft and go there? They don't have to purchase something in order to get there? Yeah, I, I, I don't get why you're so, you don't get our comments, but okay. Uh, throughout the universe to all these races that without a ticket, they cannot come aboard. And that they also have to have money for a leaving ticket. Where would this leaving ticket go? Does it ever expire? Of their planets? Or I, I, I feel like, like if we had a, um, like if they had just one conference, uh, they could probably figure this out. But okay. 
Well, funny, a ticket system doesn't seem feasible to me. All B5 staff can do is have them state their business and show ID for their records tracking. Uh, you have to have a ticket to get to an airport, and that's kind of what I... The ticket is for the spacecraft that you travel there on, not to yeah. board Babylon 5. It's You have to have passage to get there, and a lot of people use it as a way station between going from one place to the other, and I assume they have to have a manner of boarding... Uh, just like you would a ship or an airplane or something. Um, I don't understand, but it's okay. It's all right. Maybe we weren't clear in our well, lots spe- of people, speculation. I, I know there's probably lots of people that come there to work too, and maybe the work doesn't pan out. Or I think there's lots of reasons they could come there without a without a reason to get, have a ticket home and then get stuck there because what whatever they plan to do fell apart. You know, they had a contract with a corporation that went under or any number of things that could happen. Yeah, the corporation should have to have uh, put a money in the escrow for anybody that comes to work for them so that they can get off. I mean, I don't see. That's not how corporations work now. So this is completely different. You fly out to nowhere, Alaska, and because you're going to work for this oil company and you get there and the company no longer exists and you've got no money. You're stuck there until you can find some other way. To earn money somehow to get out of there. Yeah, but last episode, our real complaint was that they said that people come there looking for jobs. Not that they come there having a job, but they come there looking for jobs and can't get one. Which, it's a confined space station. I mean, there's only so many jobs. Yeah, I just don't think that this should be as big of a problem on a confined space station. It just doesn't seem like that. Or they should have, you know, regulations about when somebody needs to leave, where they where they where they go, and when they get there, they have to agree to these terms. <clears throat> you guys so. want to live in some kind of like post-apocalyptic dystopia or something? I don't know. It just seems like a lot of uh, controlling what people can do. Yeah, well, even now when you go to a foreign country, aren't there limits on how long you can stay? Yeah, you or... get like a visa or something. and Yeah, when I get a visa, I have to show that I have a return ticket. When I go to Brazil or wherever I go, they always have to, you always have to show forward and backwards tickets. Is that for to live there or to just vacation? No, just to, like, for example, I've been to Brazil like four times. I always have to show already that I purchased the ticket. Yeah, it's weird, but you do. And if well, you're going to a different know. country to work, you have to have a working visa. And the, and the company is basically sponsoring you. And yeah. So I, I, I anyways, it, it's a small point, but, you know, I just think that I don't necessarily think that our comments are crazy, <laughs> which is basically what you're saying. Um, but OK, anyways. Um, OK, on a side note, I have to cringe when the experts command staff give inaccurate info. But I understand not everyone has watched the show as much as I have or read all the script books, etc. All in all, they do a much better job not saying certain things that I would probably hint at in a spoilery manner. I commend them for how well they stay silent during certain speculating conversations. Yes, you guys do. You guys are really good at not um, spoiling us. Yeah, and feel free to correct us. You know, memory is not perfect and. Maybe some of my sources are incorrect, but I don't mind if you correct us. Yeah, and sometimes the info we give out um, might be inaccurate for a reason. They're purposely leading us Hey, astray. what? <laughs> sometimes we lie. Ah. Wow. I didn't even factor that in. Um, 
I recently started watching the series again and watched the first season over a weekend and started looking for a new podcast to listen to. This is my intro to an intro cast, and I love this format. Such a brilliant idea. Uh, I have paused watching and will wait until you catch up before I begin season two. Now that everyone has strapped themselves in with the bumpy season one, I am looking forward to when things start to pick up in season two. Watching only one episode a week is going to be tough, but your show has me craving to share the, st- the show by watching along. Last thought. I think the insights offered are amazing. I also think they are spoiled knowing what this series brought to the forefront with story arcs that persist each episode. When I originally watched this, it was so rare that just seeing people's situations change, staling spoiler-free here, over time was such a shock. Yeah, I think that's true because um, now, you know, there are a lot of shows that, you know, what do you call it, serialized. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And it wasn't, I guess it wasn't such a um, common thing. <laughs> no, look at the X-Files. <laughs> they try but they completely forget about everything that has developed in any character and that's on at the same time Uh uh-huh i mean more or less uh, yeah they have an overall arc but like character traits are brought up and dropped like yeah they contradict yeah (laughs) yeah so it, it is nice like coming from you know later time when we're more used to serialized tv to, to, sh- to see this. yeah we kind of expect it as you, as you might have noticed um so yeah that was nice and uh, we're enjoying it too so um yeah i i'm sure you know you have valid points about the tickets and you know we're just kind of you know, speculating yeah which is you know what you have to do when you're watching a couple times and talking about it for an hour and a half well, I learned something. So, I learned something new. I didn't know you had to have a return ticket when you traveled places in the in the on our planet Earth. So I never knew that. I didn't. Is that a post nine eleven thing, or has that always been that that way? I don't know because uh, um, the first time I went to Brazil was two thousand two. So um, it is and, an interesting point. Well, yeah. I mean, I don't know if that is that that uh, you know every country you need a visa for does that, but I know that I've had to do it. Um, so. But anyways, um, so good points. Thank you, um, Sean. Yeah, thanks, Sean. Cheers. If you like intro cast, there are a lot of good ones out there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Uh, intro oh, plenty X, of them. Investigating Mars, Red Dwarf. The original one, uh, Potential, Potential Cast. cast. Yeah. I was just on Dexter Cast last week. Yeah. And cast. a great one that adds a companion to Babylon 5, I think, um, Resurrection Cast, which is the um, Battlestar Galactica mm-hmm. intro cast. Mm-hmm. Oh, an intro to Briscoe, which I love. Which oh, yeah, I forget that one. <laughs> I almost forgot that one. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think... There's lots he, more that we're not mentioning. Yeah, 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 they. you'll be able to find them somewhere online. All right, so the next comment is from Board99. Who wants to take that one? I'll take that one, then. Okay, spoilers for eyes, he says. Re-one-off episodes. Actually, I personally do think feel that slow pacing of the revelation of the overall arc in the first series season sorry i'm british i see season i say series is a flaw in babylon 5 even when the one-off stories are good ones it's a consequence of when the show was made and probably a necessity for it to get made at all but that doesn't mean that it's not a problem when one watches it 20 years later. When you get down to it, first season, Babylon 5, 
isn't much different from TNG. The station and its cast of characters make up the setting for the stories rather than the show telling us the story of the station and its cast of characters. I see what your point is there, yeah. Okay. Which brings me to Wise. The 16th episode, we're almost three quarters of the way through the series. This is about where you might want to get this series to ramp up the pace. Although the plot of Eyes grows out of earlier episode, it doesn't actually add anything new to them, and it resolves everything neatly at the end. Ivanova practically says, it's good to have the reset button pressed. What's revealing about how different 1994 was, though, is that if you look at JMS's comments at the time, preserved for the ages on the spoilerific, I add the spoilerific, not Ward, but the spoilerific Lurker's Guide, JMS saw the episode as providing this was, sorry, JMS saw the episode as proving that this was a show that wasn't just episodic solely on the basis of the fact that Sinclair's actions in early earlier episodes were having consequences here. However, Eyes doesn't only show the consequences of earlier stories, it also retells earlier stories. You liked And a Sky Full of Stars, you liked Survivors, two great tastes that go well together, more than a little forgettable, alas, the epitome of a 5 out of 10. Thanks, Ford. Yeah, thanks. Uh, I think yeah. I'm getting better at this. I hope that was okay for you. Ford is a Doctor Who reference, apparently. Just look that up. Yeah, Ford is a Doctor Who uh, villain, I think. Or villainous race, anyway. Okay, next we have email. Our first one is from Victor. Okay, I'll take that one. For all of you bikers out there, you only have 21 years left to buy motorcycles. <laughs> <laughs> According to Babylon 5 history, the last gas-powered bike was produced in 2035. We learn this fact when Garibaldi enlists Lanier's help with the motorcycle project he has been working on for five years. Garibaldi should know by now that Lanier is absolutely without guile or pretense. He makes Vera look like Machiavelli. You can count <laughs> on him to follow instructions. He doesn't do what you want him to do. He does exactly what you tell him to do. In the main story, Colonel Ari Ben-Zane arrives on Babylon 5, ostensibly looking for a trade contact, but then reveals his mission to investigate Sinclair and his staff. His sidekick is a telepath. Uh-oh, Ivanova has issues with telepaths. To her, it doesn't matter that the colonel's assistant is the nicest, most earnest, most accommodating telepath you could ever meet. Ivanova bites his head off every chance she gets. There really aren't too many ways you could interpret the words, I will twist your head off and use it as a chamber pot. (laughs) (laughs) The colonel himself has the bearing and scars of a military man. Unfortunately, he also has the demeanor of George S. Patton if he had a stick up his butt. (laughs) It doesn't take long for the colonel to come unhinged and seize command of Babylon 5 because he doesn't believe Sinclair deserved it and only got the job because the Mimbari insisted on him. It's true that Mimbari influence was the reason a hundred or so other applicants were passed over, but the more likely reason Colonel Zane didn't get the B-5 command is that they weren't looking for a raving lunatic. (laughs) Good point. (laughs) 
Meanwhile, a distraught Ivanova heads for the casino in need of a drink. Unfortunately, one of the denizens of the casino uses very poor judgment, <laughs> first by placing one of his grubby paws on her shoulder, and then by referring to her as cute. <laughs> this does not help her already precarious state of mind, and the next time we see the casino, it is in need of renovation, and Ivanova is the only one left standing. In the end, there is a showdown with Sinclair and his staff, and when the madman's telepath has the good sense to turn on him, it's all over. So all's well that ends well, and even Garibaldi becomes the proud owner of a cherry 1992 Kawasaki Ninja ZX-11. Overall, this was a good episode, and it earns a one-point bonus for Ivanova starting a Pier 6 brawl. <laughs> so this one gets an 8.5, battling Ivanova's out of 10. Regards, Victor. Thank you, Thank you Victor. Victor. Our final email is from Bill. I'll take that one. Greetings, one and all. I discovered your podcast about a week ago and managed to finally catch up this morning. Therefore, my review will be fairly brief. Wow, wow. good job. <laughs> hey. yeah. I know what it's like to go through these things, and it's tough work. By way of introduction, I've been a sci-fi fan since I was a child in the 60s and a longtime fan of Doctor Who, Trek, Red Dwarf, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, anything Joss Wheaton, particularly Buffy and Firefly, as well as Veronica Mars. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll start the Mars podcast as soon as I find the time. Nice. Nice. I first became aware of B5 when I attended a panel at Comic-Con hosted by Joe Straczynski about a year before the pilot aired, so you can say I was there at the dawn of Babylon 5. When my wife and I got married, instead of numbering the reception tables, we named them after B5 planets. Awesome. Nice. As for the episode at hand, Eyes was never one of my favorites. It seems that many of the weaker season one stories were either directed by Richard Compton or had one-word titles or both. <laughs> but after rewatching yesterday, I liked it better than I remembered. The plot was simple enough, expanding on sky full of stars, mind war, and by any means necessary. Why was Sinclair chosen to run the station? Perhaps Delin fell for him at first sight and figured it was the <laughs> easiest way to marry him. Or not. <laughs> this was the first time Lanier got a chance to shine, and he had some great moments with Garibaldi. Ari Ben Zane proved to be a first-class nutcase, but Harriman Gray showed that not everyone at Psychor is the same. He almost made it as my human of the week. Which gets us to the actual human of the week, Garibaldi, the alien, obviously Lanier. My rating, seven and a half Kawasaki Ninjas. Good, keep up the good work, Bill, somewhere in Los Angeles. Well, thank you, Bill. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, great getting you, listener. Yeah. Uh-huh. So let's move to episode predictions. The name of the next episode is Legacies. What is Legacies about? <laughs> um. <laughs> uh, legacies, Legacies. Such a big word. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I'm hoping. Title. Yeah, it's one word. That <laughs> oh, must be terrible. What does it mean? Oh, no. Um, okay, well, aside from that, I'm hoping that it's going to be like we get more information about maybe one of the ambassadors or one of our main uh, Babylon 5 uh, workers because, like, maybe they have a big legacy to live up to. Like, that's what I'm hoping for. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily what I'm expecting. <laughs> <laughs> um, maybe, um, <laughs> going off my silly prediction earlier, 
maybe Ivanova starts getting um, a legacy from her mother. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, that would be... Even if it did happen, that would be too soon, I think. But um, let's see. Um, yeah, maybe... Oh, gosh. I can't I can't help but hope it has something to do with Sinclair and the Mimbari. Um, <laughs> we always hope that. Yes, I know. Every, every episode I say, oh, hopefully we find out more about Sinclair and the Mimbari. Um, so I'm going to say that same thing. Um, or maybe somebody leaves something to somebody. Um, mm, this is going to be episode 17? Right. Oh, okay. And is this, is this, a, this is a 22 episode season. Right. Okay. Only five episodes left. Mm. Sometimes some of the worst episodes come at the end of a season of television, though, because they're like <laughs> focused on their finale. Yeah, yeah, that that definitely could be. Um, hmm. I don't know because we have so many things that's been hinted at um, throughout the season that I don't know when it's going to come up. Like, I definitely think we're going to find out more about you know the the immigration act or you know all this. Mars colony stuff, but I don't know that that necessarily would have anything to do with legacies and maybe it's the legacy of being human and the and the Earth Force. I don't know. There, there's more drama coming from there or something. Hmm. Oh, maybe, what? Maybe it's um. You know how um. And I'm using this kind of as legacies, like as the term when you when you bequeath something. Um. Maybe it's when Ironheart gave Talia her her gift, her an enhanced gift. Maybe we'll find out more about her enhanced gift of what is it? Um, uh, telekinesis or yeah. yeah. I do have an overall prediction on that, which I don't think it'll happen in the next episode since like this was kind of a sigh episode. But um, I do think that like we have not seen her in forever. And so uh, she's got a Talia. I know. I'm just. Oh, okay. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. You're you're trying to forget her. You, you, yeah, <laughs> you're, really you're trying to forget her. her big lips. Right. So I think that she's got to come back either completely insane or like hugely powerful. Mm. Like I really think it's got to be one or the other. She either has to have gone insane from all of the power. Or she's just gonna like have learned how to use all of her crazy powers, and she's like gonna just be awesome, except not to Will. <laughs> <laughs> that would be disappointing to me, though, because I don't like it when they people have a lot of growth off screen. I prefer it to be gradual. But um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I agree that probably they won't have a psi focus next episode just because we had one this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, I just don't know what it. So I'm gonna I'm gonna have to go with Sinclair and the Mimbari because I it has to come sometime in the next five episodes, right? <laughs> you just so, keep predicting it eventually. One, it's gotta one time happen. it'll happen. It'll happen once. So yeah. So overall predictions, um Lanier is going to join a biker gang and <laughs> <laughs> he is just gonna be riding motorcycles all over Babylon five with his biker gang, getting in bar fights and yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, probably. Um, do I don't think we're probably not going to see Zane again. Um, probably not. Probably not. Much like Bester's kind of. Maybe he'll be mentioned, but not seen. Um, I, I would more expect to see Bester. Yeah, they mentioned him. Mm-hmm. Uh, we haven't seen the Narn in a while, so they're due for an episode. 
And Kodos I don't know. Legacy. <laughs> oh my god, Kodos Legacy. I don't know what that would be, <laughs> but it would be awesome. Uh, but yeah, I think uh, for sure we're going to get more uh, information on the... I mean, the, I, I don't know if they're going to... Br- I mean, we only have five episodes left, so, you know, we have so many things up in the air, you know, like when's Babylon 4 going to return? When are we going to find out about Sinclair? When are we going to find out more about, you know, the Psychor's power? I mean, eventually... Do you think eventually the Psychor will just flat out rule? You know what I mean? Like, right now, they're kind of, like, behind the scenes ruling, you know? I think they mentioned that they were blackmailing certain high high up political figures. Um, at some point, they're just going to flat out rule, right? I mean, I don't know. That's, that's kind of what I see happening. Um, they have enough power, that's for sure. Yeah, because if, if, if not only, I mean, and they're also cr- trying to make, you know, more of like what they made Ironheart, which mm-hmm. is give them more power, more telekinetic power and stuff. Um, so I think, I mean, it's, if they already have this much power, there's not a lot of place to go, but to have complete power or at least a faction with complete power. Um, yeah, so that's kind of something I see happening somewhere down the line, not necessarily this season. But yeah, that's all I can. That's all I can speculate on, I guess. Cool. Okay. Yeah. So, Jason, thanks for filling in this week and joining us again. Yeah, thanks, Jason. No problem. I had to cancel a podcast appearance next week that I wanted to be on, so it was a good. It was a good uh, salve for that disappointment. Uh Oh, okay. I thought you meant ours. Ours. No, not on yours. No, not on yours. Just uh, one I wanted to be on for a while and then I saw the episode it's going to be about and then I really wanted to be on it but it's my parents are having a wedding reception so I have oh, to go okay. to that uh, I can't I cannot say because I have to do a podcast is my reason yeah. not to go <laughs> let's see them understanding that one oh uh, well, well okay. thank you well that is all we have for today folks join us next week for legacies and until then goodbye Bye. Bye. Broke off. Look for us on the web in iTunes and on Stitcher Radio. Also, downbelowpodcast.com, facebook.com slash group slash downbelowpodcast, and twitter.com slash downbelowcast. Downbelowpodcast.com.